Are we whispering now? Oh, they they can't hear me, Pete. Only you can hear me. Okay, you can hear me, okay, right, Pete? I can hear you, okay. What are we doing? What is that that little voice that lives in your head? Oh God, you know that we all sort of have. And when something small sort of goes wrong in your life, I I just sort of immediately tell you how terrible you are and how terrible things will be moving forward. What just happened is you. What's that? You just reprogrammed me a little bit, and now you really are. The voice I'm going to hear in yeah. my head when something goes wrong. Yeah, this yeah. is the worst. Yeah. It's day exciting. Of my life. It's really weird that you're whispering back because you're <laughs> the only one that can hear me. No I'm just me not exactly sure. The inner critic, Pete. Now, I want to talk about this real quick. That jump from a small frustration to a huge criticism, another word that we've used before in this uh, podcast is catastrophizing, as many <laughs> I'm therapists sorry, call this it. this podcast? Is that what we're doing? This podcast? Did I podcast? say podcast? And I have to call that Bang out. Bang on. <laughs> <laughs> Point out. Oh, catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. Okay. It's a huge part of anxiety. Well, a reporter named Eva Racinos from Vice got an interesting suggestion from her therapist one day about this inner critic. Hear that inner voice and then give it a name. Tom. And give it a name. How easy. (laughs) And give it a name you don't like. Oh. Here we go. Tom. (laughs) To better explain this. (laughs) How dare you. (laughs) To better explain this, Elizabeth Cush, a Maryland-based licensed clinical counselor who works primarily with women dealing with anxiety, says that the naming of the inner critic helps patients take a step back and wonder if those things that you're saying to yourself are actually true. This reporter, the aforementioned vice reporter, uh, after initially naming the uh, voice after her ex-boyfriend, but she said that was taking that was getting too confusing, she instead picked the word brain. And she wrote, quote, Now every time I start to feel overwhelmed by negative thoughts, I say, all right, brain, calm down. And listen to this part. It became like talking back to the thoughts in a patronizing way, with an eye roll instead of my full attention. Now, Alice Boys, author of the Anxiety Toolkit, explains that without psychological distance, it's easy to assume that just having a thought makes it true. And this patronizing naming and addressing of your own anxiety as something apart from you can help create this psychological distance. Cush explains, it won't completely take away your negative thoughts, but it can help you get enough perspective to think flexibly and choose your behaviors based on the situation. Also noting, ignoring or yelling at the negative voice will only make it mad. meaning you mad and it only just makes things worse what do you think about that idea i think it's fantastic and i'm all i can i totally tuned you out because all i'm doing is trying to think what am i gonna name my brain <laughs> that was a hundred percent give me your next question are you gonna name your inner Absolutely. critic Pete? no you're not gonna name it Pete. no are you gonna name your inner critic comma no Pete? it was gonna be question tom mark? but that's that is gonna get confusing yeah. you don't want it to be yeah. something like that but i was thinking about um then I was thinking about uh, National Treasure Edward Hermann, but I like him, and he's been nice to me in my dreams. Yeah. Uh, so that's not good. I don't know. And then there's not like Ruprecht. I was thinking about calling it something stinky at what's that smell.net our erstwhile email address that we are no longer using we will have more information about that later in this episode i was going back and forth between something stinky and what's that smell.net which is going to be very yeah i'm going to be very winded talking to myself um and then i went to hitler and i was like ugh, so overused and then i went to marshmallow peeps because they are the hitler of snacks (laughs) i don't know 
I, uh, I I actually think that this is that uh, many of those are are super dangerous for you in particular because I know you have a tendency to say things that should be in your inside voice to your outside voice. <laughs> what? I don't believe that. Okay, oh, you mean Larry when I'm walking just... down the streets of Los Angeles <laughs> when I'm when I'm in the middle of the supermarket and I'm like, Hitler, give me a break <laughs> in the supermarket. Pipe down, Hitler. No thanks, marshmallow peeps. <laughs> Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Tommy Metz III. And I'm Pete Wright. And every week, we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out and send us the story of your anxieties so we can talk about it, but you're not going to use that aforementioned horrific <laughs> um, uh, email address. Instead, you're going to go to whatsthatsmell.net, yep, our beautiful website, and right at the top, in the top right, there's this button that says, Pete... <laughs> What does it say? Submit your anxiety for the show. Submit your anxiety for the show. Just this morning, and now I don't even remember what it's called. But that's it's roughly that, and it's blue. And it's very easy. You can. It's very easy to click a box if you'd rather be anonymous, or if you'd rather us make up a name for you, or you can tell us your name, or you can send us. I don't know. Cash. Anyways, tell us your anxiety, and we can discuss it and all learn and laugh about it with all of you. Can can I? Can I? Administrative note. Absolutely. So. Here's the thing that I learned this morning when I was doing all this work is that because of all of the under the hood work that I've been doing on and around the website and domain names, yeah, a lot. And some things got broken. Some things got broken. And I didn't know they was broken, Tom. And one of those things was something stinky at what's that smell.net. So any email that you may have tried to send us for the past couple of weeks, we didn't get it. So oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why we've been doing our own anxieties for a while. <laughs> because right. we, we're out of them for this season. We used them all up and we don't have any new ones because I broke it. So please resubmit. And I'll tell you, you you go to the website, what's that smell.net, or you can even use something stinky at what's that smell.net if you want to just go into your sent items and send it again. It'll get to us. And so I'm sorry about that. I'm real, real sorry. Uh, may, may your cups runneth over with joy. <laughs> and with that, I'll go first. <laughs> Pete, there's something important for us to talk about this week. It involves something we glanced upon during our COVID sessions. Now available to subscribers only. Go to whatsthatsmell.net to learn more. And it's something that involves a member of your family and a member of mine. And it's a listener submission. But to make things as convoluted as possible, the listener who brought this up wants you to read it before we talk about it. So right now, check your inbox. This is uh, a listener submission from someone you know very well, but you've never actually met. I now now have an extraordinary (laughs) anxiety. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) He's written me before. (laughs) Am I supposed to read this out loud? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Hi, Uncle Peter. 
Woof, woof. Just kidding. Hey, it's me, Puppy Machine Foster. My dad Tommy is asleep after drinking what he calls his night-night juice. And I wanted to say hi to you and hi to your son. I think his name is Gizmo or Gimlet or something. (laughs) I assume he's talking about your dog, Gimlet. I do, too. He doesn't know people. Yeah, I get it. Dad Tommy is home all the time, and it's great. But when he leaves, it's even harder. And sometimes I shake a lot for no reason, and I think the squirrels are making fun of me. One morning, my dad went out, and I chewed on on the door and it was funny and when he got home he seemed mad and i have no idea why dad tommy walks to his desk window a lot and makes and it makes me crazy what's going on i feel anxious sometimes okay bye foster <laughs> okay well obviously my dog has learned how to type um and that is why i found my laptop under my bed this morning so that was from my dog the aforementioned uh, puppy machine foster this week's this week's listener submission is pet anxiety during a pandemic. And before I ask you about your pup gambit, I wanted to clarify some of the things that Foster just wrote about. Okay, I don't have a 9-to-5 job, so COVID hasn't changed Foster's life quite as drastically as other pets, but we're still spending much, much more time together. And it's been great, but I've been definitely noticing some chinks in the armor. Uh, when I was taking my aforementioned sociology course, I'd always take Foster and some of my schoolwork reading outside to the park across the street from my apartment so Foster could be outside and look at stuff. It's more fun than inside. And he really loved it, but invariably every time he chose one random person each time to lose his mind <laughs> barking at, straining at his leash, just rage out of like the five or six different people that would walk by. And on walks, there's always one random dog different every time that he loses his mind over. And I worry about his separation anxiety, which has never been great, but he gets super shaky now when he's trying to decide if I'm leaving for part of the day. And if I'm only gone for 40 minutes, he loses his mind with happiness when I come back. Oh, and yeah, yes. Uh, About two weeks ago, I went on a walk like I do almost every day, and when I got back, he'd never done this before, I saw he'd either chewed or clawed the door a bit, and there was paint all over the ground. He's never done that before. Um, oh, and then he, did he say that I talked to my desk window or walked to my desk window? He's talking about Zoom. Um, oh, I'm on the Zoom desk all the yeah, time. No, I'm glad you cleared that up. And if you even noticed when we got on, started the live stream before we started this, he immediately jumped off his chair, ran into the other room, ran into this room, grabbed things, came over here, and then finally got in, on his chair and fell asleep like he normally is. Yeah. Because I think most people believe I had him stuffed a long time ago. <laughs> he does that every single time. So, yeah, I'm worried about what this is doing to him, what this pandemic's, and what will happen when things eventually go back to normal. Spoiler alert, I looked on line i am not alone but now i would like to uh check in with you how's gambit oh gambit he's fine i mean i told you he's a terrible intern <laughs> he uh he never he's not timely on responding to email uh he also see here's the problem gambit like you describe all of those behaviors that foster is going through and that is very similar to gambit and also gambit i think is a racist and oh, no. that's horrible. Um, he also hates other men with dark beards. Oh, like, no. The people he chooses to bark at are embarrassingly, like, not generic white people like me. And it makes me so... Oh, God. It's just horrifying. <laughs> but that's not a pandemic thing that you're just talking about in it's general. It's just all the time. I'm talking about But it changes. makes the pandemic yeah. stuff hard to discern. Do you know what I mean? When he's already crazy. <laughs> Got it. 
you don't know it's just sort of all right it's in a pandemic or it's thursday yeah, no so he's i i know that that those things i i honestly don't know because I, there are four of us in the house so there's like no time when one of us isn't here right, right. even if i go on a walk there's somebody else keeping who knows what crazy shenanigans he undertakes when everybody's gone i have no idea i don't know how we're going to transition back to this to yeah to a schedule well you bring up an interesting point and i wanted to share some things that i found across the internet um about this first of all starting with what's going on yeah, yeah. in their in their puppy and cat brains i'm not talking about fish because they fish, i feel brains. like always yeah. live in a pandemic yeah right <laughs> <laughs> they've been social <laughs> distancing a, before social literally distancing in a bubble was cool. yeah. yeah um a professor named Zenithson Ning, a professor of animal clinical sciences at University of Tennessee, brought up that the same thing you just did. One possibility that we are noticing strange behavior is because we're at home more, and maybe our pe pets are super strange when we're gone, and it's always existed. We just never noticed. That's one possibility. Everyone else has some <laughs> wider thoughts. Um, Pete, last week you talked about empathy in the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a thing called emotional contagion. Pets might be internalizing some of the anxious signals that their owners, us, are sending out. You know, we're concerned about our health, our jobs, loved ones, rent payments, all of that. We're broadcasting those feelings, and they are really able to tell that. According to a paper published in January from Fabrico Caballo, an animal <laughs> cognition researcher of the University of El Salvador, oops, <laughs> that the way I said his name immediately became racist. Let's keep moving. Dogs experience higher levels of anxiety when their owners are reeling from stress. A 2019 study in the UK found a similar pattern in cats. When you're stressed out, cats will pick up on it. And actually, cats especially don't handle change or stress well other things that are happening with dogs and cats displacement behaviors displacement behaviors are the ticks that pets adopt to cope with new stressors in dogs and cats these may present as mounting pacing vocalizing scratching or pattern behaviors like spinning or running from room to room that's what my dog does yeah. every time i'm on zoom it's the same way that humans may play with our hair pace in a circle or chew our fingernails this one was interesting because i've been trying to figure out how to monitor Monetize Foster's yawns because he yawns 900,000 time. times a day. Yeah. One displacement behavior, yawning, turns up in cats, dogs, reptiles, and birds under duress. And people. Several, and people. Several studies have concluded that humans, too, yawn more often when they're nervous, although the reason why is uh, a bit opaque. One leading theory is that yawning increases blood circulation, funneling air into the body and cooling the brain ever so slightly. Oh, didn't know that, mm. did you? And finally, for Zoom, Gwen Palduka, oh, a certified professional dog trainer, uh, posits that in video conference calls, we tend to be fairly engaged. Your dog may be responding to your tone and energy on the call and could be getting excited or frustrated that you're engaging with a silly screen instead of them. So that's a possibility that they sort of barely hear the voices that we hear. They maybe yeah. hear some sort yeah. of flashes on the screen that they cannot smell. And, you know, what, I, I do the podcast sitting on a ball, so yeah, I'm already no. a mess. Um, and so I think maybe he doesn't know, Foster doesn't understand what's going on, but it either initiates, why aren't you paying attention to me? Or is this a game? Tag your it or something like that. Does Gambit ever go weird about Zoom? I don't think so. No, because he's pretty chill when we're like, if I'm on a Zoom and I'm sitting on the couch and I have the computer in front of me or, you know, in my office here standing up, 
he is pretty chill about that. Um, when does he go crazy? He goes crazy when we leave and come home. He yep. also is, oh, maybe this is it. He is super attuned to emergency services personnel. And if he can hear even the faintest siren, he oh. will bay at the sky like a wolf. Because he wants to go help. Yeah, he's calling the troops. He's like a <laughs> dispatcher, some sort of a canine dispatcher. And uh, and he'll just, oh, whoa, whoa. And we have video of him just going crazy. Really? Crazy. Yeah. And this is a new, is this a new thing or is this something he's always done? I, he he's always done it, but he's done it more now. Got it. Like, it and has there's been, probably as horrible as it is. There's yeah. maybe more emergencies. There's more emergencies. Yeah, out and around. That's yeah, accurate. So I I don't know. I mean, I I know that he's I know that he's under stress. He's also been humping like crazy. Is Foster a humper? No. Oh yeah. No. He'll Gambit will come up and he'll just be like, hey, how that shoulder be doing right now? What? Like, yeah, he'll Are, try and get wait, right on your you arm. And he humps your shoulder? Oh, yeah. He'll try to get... I mean, he. Do, I don't let him, Tom. You're, the way you say it <laughs> makes it sound like I'm somehow enabling this behavior. I'm not doing that. Why? Wait, what's behind you? I can see there's something labeled the humping couch. <laughs> Pete. Pete, you're an enabler. <laughs> Pete. There's a fan and does, a cigar next to it. <laughs> I'm just saying... That from time to time, when he is stressed out, he likes to sure. relieve the pressure, so to sure. speak, and he'll do that to a person. He, he, he you know, when he gets excited, and wow. we do not let that happen. It stops right. it immediately. But it's it's one of those like untrainable behaviors. Sure. I say untrainable. I'm sure people are going to write and say we really have tried to trainable. train him, and the answer is yes. We it's like trying to really, get a dog to sit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we we kind of know what we're doing. We, we get it. We get it. I'm yeah. going to say it's untrainable, and we're just all going to nod and wink and go on about our day. <laughs> okay. So what to do about this stuff? Uh, and I'm hoping some of our listeners, I assume, have some pets, and maybe some of this will be a little bit um, helpful. What to do? In general, our pets respond best to calm, patient, and confident attitudes in their human companions. We can best help our pets by maintaining a healthy routine and taking care of our own mental and physical health. Because if we're happy, they're happy. That's a big part of it. Now, for separation anxiety, I well, first of all, here's what I found. This term separation anxiety is a bit of misnomer. It's actually frustration. When we get, see, this is a quote, when we get stressed, we become inconsistent in our behavior. When we become inconsistent in our behavior, it becomes harder for our dogs or cats to be able to predict us, Mills says. Mills? Uh-oh. Who's Mills? Uh-oh. This is when copy-pasting goes wrong. Mills, I'm so sorry. Let's make up an identity for Mills. Uh, Dr. Mills from the, hey, uh, from the West Flamingo Animal Hospital to the Stars uh, says, quote, that is stressful for the dog. It's not about fear. It's about confusion and frustration. Mills, we never knew you, but thank you so much for that wonderful quote. Incredible contribution um, to the body of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> but here's something that I... That never occurred to me because as much as possible, especially because in California right now, it is our version of cool outside. It's under 60, right. which is freezing. Oh, my God. Um, and as a result, I've been taking Foster around with me in the car when I do go on errands. I've been keeping him around with me all the time because he's the happiest when he learns I'm leaving and I'm bringing him. Mm -hmm. He jumps higher than the Christmas tree. He's crazy. But this is something that um, a Dr. Christopher Yock says that owners should avoid bringing their pets with them on errands and even go spend time outdoors without them. 
What? This is in order to transition, the ease the transition of when things eventually do go back to normal. That if we spend all of our time and every time we leave, we're always bringing our dogs just because we can, that when things go back to normal, they're going to hit a brick wall of separation frustration. All right. And so, that's going to be really tough. Yeah. It sounds like this Doctor Who's a pants and dogs have forgotten yeah. why we have them. <laughs> like uh, drug mules. Dr- <laughs> Okay, let me just say as an aside, uh, yeah. Gambit's a rescue dog, and that is our headcanon for what happened to him before. He was he we, he was actually from Texas, and he was brought into a foster. But m- my wife and I both have this story really? in our heads that he was a drug mule, and that they were you know shoving condoms of oh, cocaine no. where it was, yeah, and little saddlebags of makeup to test on other animals, and like, yeah, we have this that we rescued him from. An incredibly terrible life. And so you say drug mule, I say nailed it. Yeah. That's why and we that's rescue why, dogs. That's why you have like a portion of your day just set aside for humping because you're trying to help him <laughs> help as him. best you can. I love having him with me all the time is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he's great. I, and I get I, it. Driving around with him is awesome. Like that's one of the reasons we got a companion like this because he's so flexible. I get it. But Dr. Yak says that you might be... <sighs> Uh, setting up for, a, but I mean, you and I are in different positions. We don't yeah. have out of the house nine to five, so I think we're okay. Oh, we're but o- for okay. Other good. Pe- you and I are okay. It's yeah. all these other <laughs> miserable oh, bastards. No, it's all these <laughs> other people that um, certain and I, more than one uh, doctor that I found does say that do spend some time each day if you haven't been. Leave your dog at home, even if you're just going outside and going on a walk you don't need or something, just to ease that so that's a little bit normal. Give them a treat when you leave, give them a treat when you come back, and then that will sort of change uh, into going back to normal. This is just one little side thing that I found. This isn't the first time that pets have weathered a pandemic lockdown, of course. During the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, pet owners actually had to put face masks on their cats and dogs, a physical representation that pets were struggling with the outbreak just as much as people were said one pet owner quoted in the seattle star in 1918 she has made the best of it in good spirit as we all have while masking a five-year-old bulldog named stant because we hadn't we didn't know how to name dogs yet so it was just like i don't know stant i don't know send him out to the fields yeah exactly and then stant immediately is like goes down into a mine my name is jeffrey <laughs> yeah. Um so we've been through this before and Stan's yeah. doing great. Stan came back. Stan's amazing. I like yeah. that you should spend some time away from your pets. I, they say they give the same advice about young children too. Should definitely leave them. Oh no, Pete. Yeah. Oh, you're you're reading the no, wrong articles. I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you reading your own blog again? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Alf and Dag Lundvik are the Swedish father and son team behind Fagardala World Foams. They make polyurethane materials for mattresses and cushions and have been doing it since the early 60s. But it wasn't until NASA unleashed their long-successful viscoelastic polyurethane foam, or low-resilience polyurethane foam, 20 years later that the company was able to lock in on a technology that would drive a product market to an over $8.5 trillion valuation. We're talking, of course, about memory foam. NASA came up with it as a way to improve safety of aircraft cushions. Long periods in memory foam seats offer improved circulation. 
Pagadala took the foam and made the first Tempur-Pedic Swedish mattress with it. It was still hard to work with the chemicals required to make the stuff, but the medical industry jumped aboard with demand for memory foam exam tables and pillows and beds. And then your grandparents probably bought one for the guest room where you likely hated it. That's okay, though. The market flourished, and the foams have gotten better. Today, it bounces back better than ever, and with aloe and green tea extract and activated charcoal in the foam, they can even give you a solid aromatherapy treatment as you sleep. That might be your experience when you choose to support the show by becoming a panic pal. Like the astronauts of old, podcasts need that carefully crafted viscoelastic monetary support to be successful. When you become a panic pal, you know your support is going to our ragtag team of podcasters to ensure hosting and production is uninterrupted for season five. No pesky repeating fees here, though, for a one-time contribution of $35. You're supporting this 12-episode season of What's That Smell? Anxiety Goodness? Plus, we'll send you a sticker. Visit whatsthatsmell.net and become a panic pal today. Tom, I Mm. watched the most amazing video last night that has completely changed the conversation I wanted to have with you today. Oh, boy. Okay. Tell me. All right. Well, it starts like this. Sports, sports, sports. Tom, knowing the (laughs) athlete you are today, I imagine you, like me, were always picked first for playground games. Is that Uh. true? Do you remember? Never, never. Let's talk about that a little bit, just for a minute. Like, what, okay. what's your what's your sense memory? If we were doing a visualizing experience, it would it would be you kind of walking me through what it's like to go out for resource recess, say fourth grade, fifth grade, and figure out what you're going to do with the playground games. Well, a lot of it also came up during gym. Yeah, too. Um, yeah. Um, I would just always know that I would be like the last person picked if I was trying to be in a thing. And it would always, and then depending on the uh, niceness of the kid, they'd either be like, all right, I'll take Tom. Or they'd say something like, oh, good, I get Tom. And I'd be like, (laughs) we both know that you don't mean that. Yeah. And this actually can go. This has followed me throughout my life. A friend of the show, Nicole uh, and Jason Small, during their wedding at one point before the wedding, sorry, not during their wedding weekend. So I would have been what? (laughs) Is that how they got married? They picked each other last on a dodgeball team? (laughs) No, but we were playing. We played. We were all staying in a big hotel with a really big lawn and all of the wedding guests and stuff. We were all friends. Played a huge game of kickball. Just for fun, as as an activity for one of the days. And um, friend of the show, Thomas T. Threats, at one point went up to the, there were some legitimate children on the other team, Jason's son, uh, Darnell's son, and he went up to them. I was in the far right field, and he kept telling them, kick it towards him, pointing (laughs) at me. Because they knew that the chance that I would have in catching it or throwing it back was so sad. He was opposite Babe Ruthing. He was telling them, kick it towards him. And I was like, I'm in my 30s. 
Does that help answer your question? Sorry, I went on a little bit of a tangent. Oh, no, that's exactly the kind of meat that, that we need for the grist for the mill today, Tom. <laughs> I'm with you. I was never one of those, never for dodgeball or kickball or basketball or kick the can or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, you know, I we did we did have a rousing, continuous game of railroad tie tag on I'm the playground. Familiar. Well, it was it's tag, but you can't step off the railroad tie. It's like a it's like a combination of of the floor is lava and tag mm. because mm. we had a bunch of railroad ties. It was like isolating every thing. There was there were railroad ties and you could walk around them and then inside the railroad ties was like sand and then a slide and then sand and then a uh you know why are there railroad but, ties in your playground oh it's just they were everywhere but i'm from what it's i am actually surprised you being a, a coloradan as well that you didn't have a boatload of railroad ties everywhere wait, railroad wait, ties what's a, what's a railroad were, tie what the railroad ties. The th- so there are the rails Stop on a railroad. Stop just saying railroad ties. I'm going to just keep <laughs> say it again until you get it. There okay. are the rails that the train sits on, and underneath yeah. the rails... The little boards? The boards, yeah, but they don't call them little boards. Guess what they're called? <laughs> Contest clues, railroad ties. <laughs> Why are they ever... I don't... Okay, go on. So they're this thick. Is... They're like a foot square, right? These giant, and they they last forever. They're super, like poison sealed and oiled up and so they stack and then nail them in and then they become like raised beds for playground equipment and and sidewalks (laughs) and things yeah and colorado springs is just their cup runneth over speaking of with railroad ties just all railroad ties all the time is that your anxiety this week is the amount of railroad ties is railroad (laughs) it's railroad ties no guys this has been such a sidetrack I don't even remember what my anxiety is. <laughs> uh, so the the thing about tag is mm. that it was it, it was the only thing that I felt like I could even just if I started not it, I could kind of hold my own. I could hide. I could stay started out of the way. Not it. Okay. Yeah. Got as it. long as I was an evader or someone to evade, then I was okay. And once I'm it. That's like being called last at dodgeball, right? Once you're it and you're not very fast and not terribly coordinated. Because oh, you're just going to be you it never, until... You're just it forever. You're you come in forever. from recess with a big white beard. Yeah, no, it's totally yep. it. I looked like this. Uh, <laughs> so this is the video I watched last night was something that elevated tag to something beautiful and horrific all at the same time. Have you heard of world chase tag, Tom? No. This is also not my anxiety. Okay. Christian DeVoe and Damien DeVoe are brothers, and they played a lot of tag when they were young in their backyard garden in Windsor, UK. And they played so much tag, and they elevated their backyard tag game to the point that it became sponsored by CBS Sports Network. That's right. Really? Professional tag. Cool. Professional tag. And it takes place in an arena with all kinds of playground obstacles, and it's one-on-one. There is a chaser and an evader. I have seen this, and they're like parkouring like through a bunch of pipes and going over things. I have seen that. It's amazing. And you just, you said it, right? Parkour athletes are the athletes that like leveled up parkour by making it tag. And this was the thing that I thought was so fascinating. They... Um, one of the athletes said, you know, like when we're parkour, when we're training for parkour, you get the YouTube videos and things. And those like people don't know 
those take days to figure out and practice and test. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing that isn't rehearsed, test, practiced, failed a million times before you get Roll it, it right. Right? Yep. No Hardcore doubt. This is improvisational parkour. That's what this is, because there are no planned routes, right? right? You just train the skills and hope they come to you when you need them. And so you get these athletes that are at the very top of their physical game, and they take tag to a completely new level. And I'll put the link to this. That Vox did an amazing 18-minute um, a story on these the brothers and some of the people who are in, on the tag teams. And it's, it is fantastic. And it's cool. amazing. It's Again, it's not really the thing I want to talk about. It's amazing. Tag, like playground tag, it's it's become this professional sport. The arena quad is amazing. Uh, everything is great. It fills me with anxiety that I realize has been hanging around since we last talked about your return to pandemic normal anxiety two weeks ago. Okay. Right? It takes me back to the neighborhood and then the suburbs and hoping that I would be picked by the Marzavis kids or the weird kids who lived across the street from my house who snorted jello because they were jealous of their parents' cocaine. That's real. <laughs> Everybody knew it. Uh, and it turns out that <laughs> this frustration and this pain, the, uh, this social rejection, it, it might have actually been good for me. I want to talk about what has happened in our lives as a result of the absence of play. Oh. I know, right? The absence of play. Twisty. Yeah. And I think it's important that we start with the stories of us as kids, right? Even though it's not related to, we're neither of us are professional athletes, Mm. but those play... (laughs) I wouldn't call myself just a dabbler. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what when we're doing, even when we're having a crappy day on the playground, we're learning some really important lessons. According to the article of American Journal of Play, which is totally a thing at journalofplay.org, it is the first peer-reviewed journal dedicated to the study of play. <gasps> is that who publishes Highlights magazine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe so, but that would be oh, great. Yeah, what a punchline. Okay. Uh, the research has come to the conclusion that our early playtime, the good and the bad, is critical for our emotional and social development. Hmm. They describe the kind of unstructured, quote, unstructured, freely chosen play as a testing ground for life. It provides critical life experiences without which young children cannot develop into confident and competent adults like you. The article is talking about this, this like halcyon call for revisiting how we handle play in schools uh, because we're losing childhood playtime, right? Childhood free time. We and, are? You uh, mean we, in general or because of the pandemic? No, in general. In general. Oh, in the no. pan- yeah, it'll all come back around. In general, researchers found that compared to 1981, children in 1997, they did this long study and they've only just now gotten to the data, apparently, um, <laughs> In 1997, spend less time in play and had less free time. They had 18% more time in school, 145% more time doing schoolwork, and 168% more time shopping with their parents. Researchers found that including computer play, children in 97 spent only about 11 hours per week at play. 
And when asked to compare their own memories of play as children, mothers specifically responded that they restrict their own children's playtime more than they had as kids because, and now we're going to play Family Feud, what do you think the number one reason mothers restrict their child's unrestricted playtime outside is, Tom? Spite. No. (laughs) It's not spite? Not not spite. Oh, okay. You want another one? Danger, stranger danger? Stranger danger. Number one, child predators. Yeah, child predators. Number two, road traffic. And number three, bullies. Those are the top three reasons that mothers, when interviewed about why they don't let their children play outside alone, will actually... Uh, not that that they don't do it, and that's one of the things that they said is different from when they were the, the kids themselves. Like that's one of the things they brought out of their free free ranging childhood was don't let my children play outside alone. Mm, I don't like it. I, I don't know about you, but my neighborhood growing up was just like it was all playtime. It was all go outside and do things that were crazy and swing on ropes. And so and, many child predators. Oh, God, the child predators. <laughs> we just my journal at home is just like uh, it was. All, it was always just child predators at railroad times. Yep. <laughs> as far as the eye can see. Uh, so th- this is a call to like bring recess back to like give kids more of an opportunity to play. Cut to Tom, pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, you talked about the fear of not being able to return to work because you're a COVID shut-in that sings to his robot dog with impunity. I think that's how it went. All of that is a legend. (laughs) (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny any of those things. It's funny. It turns out you might have been onto something with that. Oh. So, when you look at at the things that play does for kids, Mm -hmm. you can actually transpose exactly what play does for adults and where we are suffering thanks to it right okay uh play gives you gives you a chance to find uh, and develop a connection to your own self-identified and self-guided interests right when you're when you're outside when you're outside playing when you're playing with others it's unstructured you can yeah you develop your own interest Two, uh play allows you to learn how to make decisions and solve problems and exert self-control and follow, you know, learn where there are rules to be followed and where there are, um, you know, places where you can forge your own path. So, mm-hmm. um, right, all of those things, good for kids, good for people. With play, you learn to land, you learn to handle your emotions in what is largely a safer environment, including anger and fear, Right. Things that you're scared of when you're doing it outside, when you're doing it with a group of your peers, Hmm. even when you're disappointed and sad, you're learning how to process uh, in a way that... Because the stakes are lower. Yeah. It's still just play. I get it. Okay. Uh, It play helps you make friends and learn to get along with each other as equals, as peers, right? This is one Mm -hmm. of the great challenges we're dealing with right now. And one of the questions that you brought up last week, all of these things... Will I remember how to do them right. when I get back to work? Because yep. I don't have any consistent experience. And unlike memory foam, I'm feeling less resilient than I've ever <laughs> felt. Nice tie-in. Most importantly, say researchers play as a source of happiness. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know how many people you talk to when you're zooming around, but I don't know a lot of people who say they're genuinely happy now. During the pandemic? When compared with, yeah, when compared yeah. to, let's say, a year ago. Sure. 
Uh, research says not only have we taken away the joy of play, we've replaced it with stress around almost every corner. Yay! Yeah. So now That's we've the been out of our playground, right? <laughs> Now we've been out of our offices, away from our friends and colleagues uh, so long that returning to work is becoming one of those stresses, right? Even in an office building, you can still be picked last on a team. Hmm. Even in an office building, you can still lose connection to your own interests. You can, you still have to handle your emotions, including anger and fear. You still have to make friends and get along with each other, and you still have to find a source of happiness. Uh, so they've, they've outlined kind of where stress, work stress, like return to work stress is coming from. And the number mm-hmm. one, uh, is I'm not going to be, I'm not up to speed. Like I've been doing my best oh, to okay. be at home and to prepare and to constantly be online. And I do all the zoom meetings, but when I get back to the office, I am just sure that I'm not going to be up to speed with what is I perceive to have to have right. <laughs> been going on without me in these yeah. last things. I am uh, incredibly anxious about seeing people for the first time in months. There are so many social norms we don't know what to do with. Like, do I do I bump elbows? Is that a thing? You know, or do we just go straight <laughs> back to open mouth kissing? I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, there there is continued fear around the virus. Who's vaccinated? Who's not? How do we know? How do we ask? Right? And and it's another household. It's a it's a zillion households. Totally. That and of. yeah. As we learned last week, if you're empathetic at all, if you are living with anxiety, you're probably empathetic. And that means you are a sponge for the anxiety of others. Mm -hmm. And uh, so guidance is talk about it. Talk openly about the concerns. Discuss safety precautions at length. Understand what your organization is doing to keep you safe. Uh, But number one, most of all, get back out there. If you've checked all the health and safety boxes and all you're left with is the social anxiety stuff, Mm -hmm. go back to work. Get back to work and know that everybody is struggling with the same thing that you are. Everybody is worried about not being up to speed because they've all been doing the same thing you've been doing, right? They've all been been doing these things. And so the the number one thing you can do is get back up on that railroad tie and play that game (laughs) of tag. Is everyone as worried as I am of walking outside and stepping on your own hair and falling over because they haven't gotten a dumb haircut since March? Because I'm terrified, like the wind's going to blow it into the wheels of a truck. I'll be like, oh no! And I'll just fly away. Totally, there's precedent. I hear that's how Danny Bonaducci ate it. Oh no! That's not true. Danny Bonaducci's fine. I don't know who that is. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Life Hacks by Fast Sounds. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. Thank you for downloading. We will be back next week on What's That Smell?